Hey friends, in this episode, I'm going to be talking with the new executive director of an organization whose mission is to build community among youth who have or have had a family member with cancer. And they utilize adventure-based programs that encourage participants to uncover their inner resilience. Well worth your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. My name is Phil. I'm the host. And let's get into the conversation between myself and Madeline Brooks. Thank you, Madeline, for joining us on the podcast. A wonderful opportunity to be able to talk with you about um, your experience working in adventure programming and your first steps through that process, and then also your work now as the executive director at Ombalay. Lots to be able to discuss. First thing we are going to do is a mystery question round. You have a choice. We've got curious questions, so this is like a lighter question. We have some brave questions. These are a little uh, more challenging. And then we have some vulnerability, a moment of vulnerability, if you would like those selections. Entirely up to you which you choose. This is in alignment with our challenge by choice philosophies in adventure programming. But would you like something curious, something brave, or something vulnerable? I think today I'm going with curious. Nice. Good starting point. So I'm going to riffle through like this. You just tell me when to stop. Okay. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. How do you motivate yourself? Oh, mostly with uh, reward. Like I, I am very much like if I am unmotivated, I need like some sort of reprieve or goal in the end. So uh, an example of this is this morning I had some phone calls I needed to make that I was really not excited to make. And I told myself that, after that phone call, after making those phone calls, I would reward myself with five chocolate covered graham crackers. <laughs> and it works almost all of the time if I give myself a good enough reward. It, those, that's, that's sort of my method for me in like short term tasks. Yeah. Do you find your, this is true for me, but do you find yourself a procrastinator? Do you, if you have a task, do you leave it to the end? Or do you try to get stuff done really early up? Because I, even if I know I've got time, I very often do it very last minute. I don't know what, why that is. It almost gives me comfort to push it off. But what is it like for you? I'm definitely a procrastinator. And, and I feel like this is me justifying why I'm allowed to be a procrastinator, which is that I feel like I do better work under pressure. Like I work better when like my back's up against a wall. And that's when I do my best work. And I don't think it's healthy. I think it would, I would be a happier person overall if I weren't waiting until the last minute. But it is something I struggle with. And I do think I put better work out when I wait. I think that there's some social proof to it. Like, I am very much the same way. My best ever college paper that I had to do was the one that I forgot to do until the morning it had to be ended in. And I, like, rushed <laughs> it in an hour. I handed it in like really stressed and worried and it was my by far my best grade. So I don't know yeah. how how I'm supposed to untrain myself when I've got experiences that reaffirm like I do better when I'm rushed or stressed. Yes, but then I am and you probably are often experiencing high levels of stress at certain points and 
you know, feeling uncertain during those times or like staying up late, like, you know, pushing deadlines out. And like that also is not super great. I'm not very good. I'm not a great sleeper. And I think that part of it is the constant like ruminating of like ideas in my head because I haven't actually done stuff. So now I'm like, often, unfortunately, me even planning for programs, normally the better ideas I have are right in the middle of the night when I wake up in like a cold sweat of like, I haven't planned. I don't have anything ready. I didn't do it. And then it's like, (laughs) oh, this is a good idea. I'll do that. If we were to now, we're gonna we'll take this back a few steps and go back to maybe some of the origin for you. How did you even enter working into outdoors or working adventure? Was there something in your past that you experienced that you thought was like very meaningful, and then you said, "Ah, oh, if only I could do that." Yeah, so uh, I got really introduced into sort of the outdoor nature world uh, through summer camp. Um, I'm sure that's a lot an avenue a lot of folks sort of end up. Um, in this line of work, I come from a family where um, it wasn't really a choice for the kids. We just sort of like went to day camps and summer camps and whatever my parents signed us up for, we went. Um, And so my parents were also very into, I'm one of four, and my parents were very into uh, same and equal for all of us. So when my oldest sister went to summer camp, it was, she just sort of said it, like, we're all going to that summer camp that's what happens. And the, the, the remaining of us don't really get a choice. Um, so I, I went to this summer camp in Colorado um, at the base of Rocky Mountain National Park. Really lucky, really awesome. The first couple summers that I was there, I started going when I was 10. Um, and I did not leave camp basically ever. So like there were programs there where you could go you know, hiking and backpacking and go horseback riding out on the trails. And uh, I was not really into that. I like did in-camp stuff and I did cooking and and other things. And when I got to be about 13, my cousin was at camp with me and she just, just came up to me at the beginning of camp and said, let's go mountain biking every single day this summer. And uh, in my head, I'm thinking, shoot, that sounds like the worst summer of my life and absolutely terrifying. Um, so in a quick, like mental math, I tried to think of what would be the next best thing that would meet us in the middle. And so I said, maybe not mountain biking, but how about we go hiking? Like, let's go hiking every single day. And that, that summer, uh, I was at camp. I, I went to camp for two months. So I was gone for a very long time. And that summer I ended up hiking like 250 miles in Rocky Mountain National Park. And I would say um, probably for the first half of the summer, I did not enjoy hiking. It's hard for me. Um, I'm not like naturally like an endurance athlete. Um, So the the activity itself was really hard, but what really kept me coming back were uh, the other campers and the counselors. And like the time you spend on the trail when you've got nothing to do and you've been hiking since 2 a.m. And, um, you know, the stupid, silly, but then philosophical conversations that you have, you know, that really like hooked me into doing those types of things. And it, I would say like, I am not, I would not be the person I am today if I had not started doing hiking and backpacking that summer. And every summer after that, i did that. And I, it really transformed what I thought I wanted to do when I was older. And that's sort of what, what sparked me and 
the outdoors and that experience really grew me into who I am. And so I just, I want to give that opportunity to other kids to say like, you know, if you put yourself out there and you challenge yourself and you meet new people, like it's going to bring out the best in you. And I want to like give that, give that back to other kids. You're in this now position, this really, really incredible position to be able to work for an organization like On Belay. Detail a little bit about the work there and how that like ties into even the stuff you did in the past about that idea of community. Yeah, so uh, On Belay is uh, an organization that provides outdoor adventure-based programming for kids who have a family member in a, sort of the cancer journey. So we use that word cancer journey because we provide support and these adventure programs for families who have a newly diagnosed individual or in remission or have lost a loved one who, you know, impacted by cancer. And we provide free programming. And, and the goal of this program is to help these kids find community, you know, like we said, through the outdoors, through the adventure-based activities, um, to meet a kid, to become friends with a kid who is going through a similar experience, um, while as you get older, it, it becomes more relevant to have someone in your fa- in your life who you know who has cancer. Just as you get older, it becomes more likely and you know more people. When you're a kid, middle school, high school, elementary school, you don't know other people that are going through that similar thing. And that can feel, you know, scary and you feel different from your friends. And so the goal of Ombale is to help those kids find support and to realize they're not alone, that there are other folks struggling and there are other kids who have gotten through it and there are other kids who are experiencing it and kids you can help and and really fostering that sense of a supportive community. I don't need to, to preach what the outdoor vehicle sort of helps create those bonds and those connections for the kids. From your experience uh, of being on Belay and connecting with some of the people around on Belay, those who have, have taken advantage of the programming. Are there any stories that you've heard in discussing with people that have been part of the program before that have had these, like, maybe an emotional reaction for yourself that really ties you into the importance? Yeah, um, so two two stories come to mind. One, one is a, sort of a story that happened to me recently, which is um, we've had two kids sign up for a program that's coming up. And in our registration, I noticed that they hadn't been to a program since like 2016. So it's been a long time since they last had come. So uh, I reached out to the parent and said, Hey, you know, we're excited to have him back. Um, Noticed the younger sibling is also coming. That's really great. Like just wondering what, you know, what's bringing you back. And the parents said, you know, we started coming because that was when uh, the other parent had been recently diagnosed and we really needed that support and things have been going well. And this year we lost them from cancer. And and like we need we have found ourselves in need of like finding that community again. And so just the difference that the, the idea that we're there when they when they need us, we were there a handful of years ago when the when the partner had first gotten diagnosed and they really needed help finding that support system. And then they were doing fine for a handful of years. And that's great. And, and we're really happy to be here when they need us again. And when they're in that place that they're hurting, Ombale is where they've decided to go to find that community, um, which is just like really, really an incredible story. 
The other story that comes to mind, a similar story, but we, we had a family who parent got diagnosed with cancer. The kids started coming and they had been coming, you know, five, six years. They come to all of our programs. They keep coming. Parent isn't doing very well. And the day before a program, uh, they lose their parent from cancer. And we think for sure, like, you know, the, the kids aren't going to come to program today. Like they just lost a parent. And lo and behold, 8 a.m., these kids come rolling up with their dad. And we were like, what, like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here right now? And the dad like pulls us aside and was like, I told them they didn't have to go. And they said, this is where they want to be. That like really just speaks to a lot of that, you know, lucky for me, a lot of that is work that had been done from the founder you know, years and years and years and years ago. And uh, everyone that's sort of come before me uh, creating that community and, and just continuing to build off of it. But it is an incredible feeling to be the place that, that kids are choosing to come to when they're, when they're feeling hurt. That's like a really, really wonderful thing. Are there any things that you do specifically that you believe contribute to that feeling of safety and belonging that these, these participants have? You know, I think some of it is some of it is just the the type of program that we've created, which is that kids know when they're coming that they don't need to explain themselves. We understand that while we don't know the intimate details of their day-to-day life, we understand what they're going through and they understand that the other kids understand. You get to come and you get to just be yourself without any of those caveats, the asterisks, anything like that, which I think just really takes a load off. Um, you know, you get to, for a second, take that backpack off that's holding the weight, those stones of cancer. You get to just take them off, take the backpack off and just run into the room. And, you know, you get to see all the little backpacks lined up and all of them say like, you know, breast cancer, lung cancer, like whatever it is. And they're all just hypothetically over there in the corner and they get to take them off for a second. I think the other piece that that really helps kids feel safe there is that similar to in outdoor programming where we say, you know, challenge by choice is a very, you know, big thing. You know, if you don't want to climb the wall, fine. If you want to go up five feet, that's great. On Belay, you know, we do a really good job of creating a emotional challenge by choice um, environment. So, we're not a therapeutic program. We're not asking kids to sit down in a circle and tell us their traumas, which it has its place, and that's not what we're doing. It brings some relief to say, I get to be a part of this community. Everyone knows what's going on, and I don't have to talk about it if I don't want to. And to know that if they do want to talk about it, we're here to listen. We don't need to push it. They can bring it up and just say like, hey, you know, we've, I've had a kid come up to me and, you know, eight years old and say like, hey, like my mom has breast cancer. And I'm just like, okay. And like, that's the whole, you know, we don't need to go to the next level if the kid doesn't want to say the next thing. And I think that that creates just this emotional safety where the kids can say like, if I want to come to program and spill my guts, there will be someone there to listen to me. If I want to go to program and just climb the wall, I can do that too. And like, it's whatever I would like to share at that moment. So I think that helps. It's just about having normalizing conversation and that creates more opportunity for in the future, someone, if they want to, they feel trusting in you to be able to have that conversation. And I can imagine how different your program would be 
if you forced participation of conversation, how that would be yeah. like, oh, I'm not going to go then. I know if I get on below, I have to talk about this. Like, no, that would really eliminate the opportunity for the conversation that could come if you don't right. create that, right? Yeah. And this is something we talk about with our volunteers. Like many, you know, nonprofits, we are run, we couldn't run without our volunteers. That's a huge piece. And, um, you know, we do a volunteer training and this is something we talk about, like, you might come to a program and not once does a kid bring up the word cancer. You might come to a program and a kid is crying the whole time. And like, what do you do? And, you know, sort of piggybacking off what you're saying, just saying like telling that kid, I can tell you're sad and it's okay to be sad. And I'll sit here while you're crying. And if you cry for an hour at the program, then we'll sit here for an hour. And if you cry for 30 minutes and then you decide you want to do whatever the activity is, then we'll do that. And to just, give the space for, to feel what you're feeling, you know, whether that's the happiness, anger, sadness, you know, whatever it is to say, like, here's a space where if you need to cry for the first 45 minutes, we will do that. And then we can move on. We can talk about it. We don't have to talk about it. And to be, yeah, to be, like you said, listeners and not, you know, none of us are trained clinicians. We're not trying to provide therapy. We're just trying to provide space. And anyone, anyone can do that. Anyone can, can sit and listen and say, that sucks. It's easy to do and it helps a lot. So on belay, the name on belay, very people listening to this will be very familiar with that term more than likely because it's a um, on belay is often a very traditional command that people say prior to climbing. What, where's the history of that word, and do you utilize that terminology in any other programming? Yeah. So um, when this organization was sort of getting started, it's it's for it started very small. Our founder began the organization because she had breast cancer and she had small children. And she could not find a program for her kids to find other kids going through the similar things without it being therapy specifically. So she said, gosh, darn it. Like, I don't care if I have breast cancer, I'm going to take care of my kids. And this is the organization I'm going to start. And it started very small and um, almost exclusively challenge course based. So their first program was at the Brown Center, which is at the University of New Hampshire, doing challenge course things. And so, um, you know, the use of the harness and the ropes and the carabiners and all of those things that you're using in challenge courses was big parts of the foundation of, of how the organization started. The meaning of on belay in a climbing sense, it just beautifully translates to what the organization is trying to do for these kids. Um, provide support, catch you when you fall safety net, sort of all of those things that your belayer is doing, catching you, supporting you, helping you get higher. All of those things just speak like in, insanely directly to the goals of the organization. So the, the naming of the organization after that seems sort of like a, a no-brainer to them at the time. It seems just a harmonious match to say, like, this is what we're doing. We are, on belay is on belay for you. Like, that's what we're doing. And we use the term, I would say we use the term sort of in the climbing sense, in those, in those ways where it's um, fitting from a safety standpoint. And it has been actually an interesting way to 
make a connection between what we're doing and what we're doing, which is like what the organization is doing and the activities we're doing that, that, um, it, it helps make a connection for the kids. A lot of times parents can sort of, you know, put together the pieces on their own. Um, but the kids, all of a sudden you'll see them be like, Oh, why? You know, like, Oh, like you guys are on belay. And we're like, yeah, like we are on belay. And they're like, Oh, and like, this is what I'm doing when I'm on belay. And you're like, yes. Like, so it, it like can facilitate some like introspection in a, in a funny way. Sometimes when that light bulb goes off for a kid that they're on an on belay program on belay for someone being a belayer. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is what on belay is doing. That's sort of a, a crazy, beautiful moment. I'm smiling a lot because I think that we, there's an episode. It will, it will have be out by the time you're listening to this. So uh, go to your March 1st episode. We, it's called What is Belaying? The tie-in, listening to this, what you've just said, and listening to the previous conversation we had in that episode, was that the word itself has so many layers of meaning beyond the, oh, it's the belay action. And often when I, when people will say, like, what is belaying? What does the word mean? People may not know necessarily what the word actually means, they'll know how it relates to their experience they were in at that moment. But I really love that the word origin uh, comes from holding fast or stopping or uh, having a moment of pause. And I think that that also can be really tied into the work that you're doing of having a, having a pause moment, having a pause from whatever life they're experiencing to be able to enter into a new one. During climbing, it's used as a pause and a check-in for readiness. Like, are you truly ready right now yeah. before you go? Like, I, I think that there's some tie in there that could be tied between the two. So I think there's a power, there's power in words, but I love your description of the the kids having a realization in the moment that's experiential learning right there in a nut in, in a perfect example of them being like, Oh, this is what, Oh, and I get that that means, right? Like those kind of moments can be really, really exciting and really, really awesome. You, you talked about, um, that because you're a not nonprofit volunteership is everything. And then you also mentioned that the programming is free. What can people who are listening to this, how could they maybe support if they're listening and going, Oh my goodness, I would love to be able to support on Belay and the mission and everything they're doing. Like what what can people do to help support the program? Yeah, so obviously if you are listening local to the New England area, we do programs all over um, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and southern Maine right now. Um, obviously we're always looking to grow and, and growth is in our future. Um, but if you're local to those areas and want to come out to a program, um, go to our website, www.on-belay.org, and there's a volunteer sign-up piece, and, and we do all sorts of different activities. Some of them are climbing-based, some of them are challenge course-based, some of it's hiking, backpacking, we do some kayaking. So there's a lot of different options depending on what your skill set is. And then obviously we are 100% donation and grant is our is our entire revenue. We don't take any admission costs. We don't do any registration fees. Um, so individual donors is a huge part of how we're able to keep going. And you can, there's a donate button on our website also. And anything helps. We, we generally, a program on average costs us about $40 per kid. So uh, that, you know, $40 will send a kid to one of these programs and it makes a huge difference for them. There have been conversations in the past for Ambele if, if we want to switch from being the free model 
And we have been steadfast in wanting to stay 100% free because as we know, uh, healthcare in this country is expensive. And, you know, going through a chronic illness like cancer really, really is expensive. The numbers are something like 40% of families run through their savings within the first year of having a cancer diagnosis. It's it's really, really, really uh, a tough situation. And so we don't want to have any barriers, if possible, to getting kids to these programs. So um, we provide snacks, food if it's overnight. We have access to uh, any equipment rentals we need. So for our overnight or hiking programs, we can rent everything from, you know, socks and shoes all the way up to sleeping bags that we provide then to families for free. Um, So we're trying to get rid of as many, many barriers as possible. And donations is a huge piece of that, that we're able to continue to make that an almost no barriers experience for these families. Well, on behalf of, I can only say myself, but others who may be listening, I would say thank you so much for the work that you do on Belay and in everything you talk about, not only from an access perspective of of healthcare costs being exorbitant in this country, but also access in the outdoors being a barrier for a lot of people as well, not only for those those kids, but also for the creating a future generation of people who, who are excited and feel connected and have a sense of community outdoors. No doubt people who have been through your program will end up wanting to do some of this similar work. So that is certainly helpful as well from a um, an industry perspective. So thank you so much for that. All of the stuff that uh, Madeline's mentioned before, all those links, I'm going to throw into the description of this. So if you're listening to this, just check out the description, whatever uh, podcast app you're listening to this, and all of those will be in there, um, including access to Madeline, if you want to chat, chat with her. Yeah, and I'm I'm always happy and open, you know, like we said sort of at the beginning of this, as sort of an administrative role, I don't always get to go to program or be outside, but the things that sort of keep me going and get me excited are conversations like this, where I get to share what we're doing. Um, so if you're interested in learning more, you know, give us a call. My email's on the website. You know, I'm sort of a, an open book, all access um, situation. So I'm happy to have a an hour-long conversation, a three-hour-long conversation, a 10-minute conversation. I'm, I'm open. You know, if you're interested in collaborating, we're always looking for new new spots to go to, to br- provide new and different experiences for the kids. So yeah, we're, we're open and, and we've got a lot of cool things, ideas coming down the pipeline and in the works. Um, so yeah, be following along. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on all the things. So, so find us um, and you can kind of see what's coming up next for us. Thanks again for the incredible work you're doing and encourage people who are listening to check out the work of Ombalay and support where you can. Um, once again, $40 will send a uh, one of their kids on a program. So uh, that is small in comparison to the experiences that they're going through. So please support all that they do. Uh, thank you, Madeline. Thanks so much. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting us a guy. 